It would be my joy if you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, one of the greatest joys in my life is definitely being in this room every single Sunday regularly with brothers and sisters in Christ, Uh, being able to call you my church family that I dearly love. And one of my other greatest joys is my wonderful wife, whose birthday is today. So... She is a, a great joy to me as a, a wife and to our kids as a mother. And uh, yeah, we just pray that God continue to, to use her mightily in our family. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our or your hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let's pray together. Lord, we, you are our all-sufficient God our all-sufficient Savior. And and Lord, a simple prayer that we have this morning is that, Lord, that you would be enough for us today. That you would be enough for us. That Jesus, that you would show your saving power, your saving work on the cross as more than enough to save us from our sins that Holy Spirit, that you would fill this room, that you would be more than enough to move in our hearts to apply this truth, this word to our hearts and lives. Father, Father, I have no confidence in my words, but I have complete confidence in your word. Preach a better word to our hearts than the one I'm going to try to preach. Have your Spirit fill our hearts and move in our hearts to change us that we might depend on you, that all our confidence, that all our hope, that all we do might be dependent on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what if I asked you today to get out a piece of paper and to put together a spiritual resume, to compile a spiritual resume. What if I asked you to to list out, to put together a list of your spiritual accomplishments and achievements? What if you had to capture in words that the confidence that you have being a Christian? What if you had to put together the proof that you were enough, that you had the abilities, the gifts to accomplish the gospel ministry. On your spiritual resume, would you compile a, 
a, a list of all your experiences, your spiritual experiences where you felt close to the Lord? Would you compile the times of prayer when you felt close to Him? Your, your best contributions in building the kingdom, the mission trips that you've taken, the, the Bible studies that you've led, the, the ways that you served others so selflessly, your evangelistic conversations, the, the times even when people respond saying yes to Jesus, all the ways that you've given time or given money, given up of yourself to the Lord. Most importantly, and sometimes even weightier on a resume, maybe you would want to put references on there. You could list the names of people in your past or, or in your present, that those who really believe in you, those who really know you and know your character, the, those who've seen your abilities and your gifts. Who in your life would be willing to write a letter of recommendation about your character, about your abilities, saying that you are enough? My guess as we sit here this morning, compiling these spiritual resumes in our minds, for a lot of us, there's a lot of different feelings that can bubble up in your heart. When you think about what you've done or what you haven't done, there's probably a lot of mixed emotions bubbling up in our hearts. For some people, as I talk about building a spiritual resume, maybe for somebody you feel real impressive. Like it doesn't take long for you to compile a list of how all the ways that you serve, all your accomplishments, all your achievements. Some of you always maybe keep your resume on your file in your heart. You always keep a catalog of, of your accomplishments. And, and the feeling that's welling up in your heart maybe right now is, I am enough. Maybe your heart would say, I look at my life and I say, I am enough. For other people, maybe this exercise makes you feel defeated. Instead of impressive, you feel extremely unimpressive. Maybe you would have a hard time writing down anything. There's not much that, that you've done, that you've accomplished, that in your heart, in your mind, feels like it's pleasing to God. You don't feel very close to God or, or useful to God. Your, your gospel conversations include more failures than successes. Your days are, are filled with more prayerlessness than prayerfulness. Your ability, your gifts seem minimal in your eyes. Maybe this morning your heart doesn't say, I'm enough. Maybe it says, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Here in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is basically being asked by the church at Corinth to present his spiritual resume, to, to present his proof that he is enough. He's asked most specifically to present 
a letter of recommendation that he's an apostle. A letter of recommendation that he is sent by Jesus. They're saying to the apostle, probably the false teachers, probably the whole church, Paul, prove to us that you're really an apostle. Paul, show us that you're capable of this job, that, that you're effective for the gospel task. Paul, who in your life, who from Jerusalem could vouch for you that you're more than enough to be a minister of this gospel? And Paul's response is literally like, really, Corinthians? Corinthian church, you're going to ask me, you are going to ask me to submit to you a resume. Do I need to give you proof that my gospel ministry is effective? Do I need someone to submit a letter to you on my behalf? You, the Corinthian church that used to not exist until I showed up. Do you need me to convince you that the Lord is using me? The answer to all those rhetorical questions in verse 1 is like an atomic bomb. No. Why? Because look at verse 2. You yourselves. Paul is emphasizing, you Corinthians, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on your hearts to be known and read by all. As Dane Ortland says, the answer is not for them to look in the mailbox. The answer is for them to look in the mirror. You are evidence that Christ, that the Holy Spirit is working through me. You are a letter written on paper, not on paper, not on stone, not in a text message. No, it's written on your heart. On your new heart that's alive in Christ, that Christ is using me. But notice in our passage that, that, that Paul doesn't boast in himself. The reason Paul doesn't present his resume or the reason he doesn't boast in his performance, the, the reason he doesn't try to list out his accomplishments is because his hope is not in himself. His hope in the gospel ministry is not in himself. See, true gospel ministry, faithful Christian living, is not about me and it's not about you. It's about the Lord. True and faithful Desperate, dependent Christian living is not about me and it's not about you. It's about the Lord and what He is doing in and through you. Remember the question that Paul just asked last Sunday in chapter 2. Just going back a few verses in chapter 2, Paul says, Who is sufficient for these things? And the answer is none of us. None of us is sufficient. None of us is enough. Yet this morning we ask, who makes us sufficient for these things? And the answer is the Lord. The Lord makes us sufficient. 
the Lord makes us enough to bring him great glory and people great joy in himself. God is on a mission. The, the purpose for all eternity, the purpose for all creation is that God is on a mission to bring great glory to himself and great joy to sinners in Jesus. And we get to be a part of it. And we get to be invited into it. We get to be welcomed into this gospel ministry and not because of us, not because of what we've accomplished, not because of what we have done, but only because of him. That's what Paul's going to say in verse 5. Look down at verse 5. It says this, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything. Might want to circle that word. To claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. It's the main idea for this sermon, the main idea for our lives. Not that we're sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Brothers and sisters, you can't take any credit. You can't claim any responsibility for the gospel going forth. As Murray Harris says, the Christian worker is ineligible to claim honor for success. You're ineligible for the glory. You're ineligible for the credit. No, God is doing the work. God is making you enough. God wants to use you as a holy, set-apart vessel for his glory and for people's joy. Every tribe, tongue, and nation's joy in Jesus and the world. God is doing a work in people's hearts, and he uses you as an instrument in his hand. Before we see specifically how God does this, I want to look at one verse. I want to take us to one verse later on in 2 Corinthians that, that gave me great joy this week when I read it, that strengthened me this week when I read it. One verse about what God is doing in us, how God is making us enough for this work. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Listen to this. It says, and God is able. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God's doing that. In whose life? In your life, if you're in Christ. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound, you may overflow in every good work. Let me paraphrase that for you. God is the all-sufficient one. 
God is the all-sufficient one. And out of his all-sufficiency, he is more than able to give you whatever you need, whenever you need it, to bring him glory. To accomplish his will. God is the all-sufficient one. God is the enough one. And out of his enoughness, he is more than enough to give you whatever you need, whenever you need it, to do his will, to bring him glory. Let me make it even simpler. This has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. Nothing to do with what you are doing and everything to do with what he's doing in you and through you by his power. So this morning, that's why we're here. We're here this morning to confess with joy our not enoughness and to rest in his enoughness. To have the freedom to confess our not enoughness and to rest all our hope, all our dependence, our very breath on his enoughness. I pray the Lord would teach us this from the Apostle Paul. Two two simple truths that we learn from Paul here. The the first one is, is that our confidence is not in us. It's in Christ. Our confidence is not in us, it's in Christ. And Paul says this two different times. The first way he says it in verse 3, and you show, he says, that you, Corinthians, are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Christ is writing the letter. He's the author of of the living letter on on new hearts who are alive in him. He's the one who not only accomplishes your salvation on the cross, but he's the one who sends it to hearts of sinners. Sends it and applies it and changes it and makes hearts alive in sinners. So think about it this way. If Jesus is the one writing the letter, then who's Paul? Or if Jesus is the one writing the letter, if Christ is the one who's writing the letter, who are you and who am I? We're just the mailman. That's right. We're just the the mailman. We're not allowed to tamper with the mail. That's a, a heavenly, eternal offense. No, Paul is just the, and you and I are just the humble deliverer of the good news that Christ has accomplished. Paul and you and I are are simply a carrier of the gospel. Him to the Corinthian church, us to our world. It's, It's Christ's letter that he's writing. It's his work that he accomplished. It's his words that are going forth. Another analogy might be a waiter and a cook. I don't know if anybody's waited tables in here before, but, but it's the cook who makes the menu, especially when you get in these fancy five-star fancy restaurants. It's the cook that puts the menu together. 
And it's the cook who prepares the food. And it's the cook who arranges the food on the plate to look exactly how he wants it to look. To appear exactly how he wants it to appear. To taste exactly how he wants it to taste. And so the, wa- the waiter simply just carries the meal to the table. He delivers the cook so that it might be enjoyed and rejoiced in by those who receive it. In the same way, Christ has completed And Christ has created this all-satisfying meal of grace. This full-course meal of grace and love and forgiveness to be enjoyed by sinners who don't deserve it. To be received by by dead hearts that will be made alive when they hear the good news that Jesus died for them and rose again. And Paul has No right to rearrange it, to recreate the dish. His job is simply to deliver the dish. He says it again a different way in verse 4. Paul says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Our confidence is not and cannot be in us. We shouldn't be under any illusion that it's us doing something for Christ, uh, us doing something detached from Christ. No, it's Christ working in us, powerfully working in us, and powerfully working through us. Think about Colossians chapter 1. Here's Paul giving a summary of his ministry. He says this, Him we proclaim. We preach Jesus. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then he says this, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. How do we do it? We struggle with his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's his work in and through us. But sadly, we are so self-confident. Sadly that we are so self-confident. Even the people of Jesus are so self-confident. Self-confidence, it's this feeling or belief that you can rely on you. The feeling or belief that you can rely on you. And we see it in so many ways in our lives, don't we? So many different ways that we rely on ourselves. It shows up when we, when we think we can convince people to follow Jesus just by our words. Or when we feel like that we can mess it up by saying the wrong words, by by not saying it just right or the right way with the right tone. It's too much on us. Or, Or when we think we can change our kids' hearts, when we think it's in our power, it's in our strength that we can change the hearts of our children, 
or when we think we messed it up too much and we can't get it right. And we have shame because we thought we should have done it different. Both of those are confidence in ourselves. Or it shows up when we think we are building the church, when, when we think we have done any of this, or when we think we could have done it better. Our confidence is in ourselves. Or whenever he thinks he, whenever we think he needs us, he's dependent on us. He's relying on me. Or when I think I could do more, or try harder, or, or do better, or be more. Either way, I am too big in that equation. When we take all the credit for the success or all the blame for the failure, we're too big in our own eyes. In whatever we're doing, at your work, in your parenting, Whatever you're doing, if you take credit for successes or the blame for the failures, you are too big in your eyes. See, when your joy and peace go up, when you think you're performing well, or when your joy and peace go down when you, don't, when you think you're performing poorly, don't miss it. Your confidence in those moments is in you. Your confidence, your reliance is in you. So at the end of the day, when you're brushing your teeth, you're lying in bed, whatever you're doing, when, when you're patting yourself on the back because you think that you, for all that you've done that day, or you're beating yourself up because of what you've not done that day, you're missing it. Christ is writing the letter. He is building the church. It's all his power, his energy, that he powerfully works within us. Is he using you? Yes. But it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that's the hope of your heart. That's the hope of your family. That's the hope of your neighbors. That's the hope of the city. That it's hope, the hope of Western Kentucky University. It's Christ working in you to bring himself great glory. That's why a large theme throughout this letter is, is that we must renounce all confidence in ourselves and place complete confidence in Christ. We must renounce all confidence in ourselves and place all our confidence in Christ. We must see that it's Christ's power in our weakness. It's his enoughness in our not-enoughness. So this morning, a, a prerequisite to you being enough, a prerequisite for you being used by God is to believe that you're not enough. That you don't got this. That's why feeling weak is not a hindrance to the gospel. It's the only way of gospel ministry. 
That's why feeling needy or feeling broken or even feeling like a failure is not a hindrance to God working in your life. It's actually the starting point. Let me say that again for all of those who a minute ago felt like you were not enough and you felt broken and you felt needy and you felt like God could do nothing with you. Feeling needy, feeling broken, feeling like you're not enough, feeling like a failure is not a hindrance to the gospel. It's the starting point for God powerfully working in you. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, yes, you. Yes, your heart, your life. God's calling us to wake up every morning and honestly look in the mirror and say, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Second thing we see is not only is our confidence not in us, it's in Christ, but our ability is not from us, it's from the Holy Spirit. Our ability is not from us, it's not through us, it's in and through the Holy Spirit. It's not just Christ working in you, it's the Holy Spirit working powerfully through you. It's the Spirit taking this gospel that Jesus accomplished on the cross, and He comes and He applies it to the hearts of sinners. He takes it to dead, cold hearts, and He makes it alive, and only He can do that. Look at verse 3. It says, And you show that you're a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God wrote His law on tablets, if you remember at Mount Sinai. He, he write it, wrote him the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And the, the Ten Commandments were written on tablets so that Israel would take them and, and not just take them, but read them and not just read them, but memorize them and study them and learn them and obey them. But if you remember the story, the Israelites couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. They couldn't keep the law that was written on stone. In fact, they had broken it in the first two in the first 15 minutes. Like before Moses could get down the mountain, they were already making a golden calf to bow down and worship to it. That's why it's not critical and essential that we get the Ten Commandments in the courtroom and get it in the schoolroom and, and, and get it on a yard sign in our yard. Why? why? Because the law of stone can't change the heart. They can expose the heart. The law can expose the heart, expose that you're a sinner, but it can't change your heart. However, the Spirit of the living God, unlike us, unlike you and me, not only has access to the human heart, the Spirit of the living God has authority in the human heart. 
to change and rearrange hearts that love sin, to, to give you hearts that love Jesus. That's the promise of the new covenant, that the, the Spirit of God would take old, dead, immovable, stony, hard hearts and make us hearts of flesh. Give us new hearts with new desires, with new affections, with new loves, with new passions that we not, not live for our glory, but live for Jesus. That we might not love what we used to love, our sin, but we would love Jesus. That we wouldn't live for ourselves, but we would live for Jesus. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Not the best program your church puts together. Not the best band that your church puts together. Not the best words in a sermon you can put together. The Holy Spirit does that. That's why no one needs us. Our city doesn't need what we can produce by our power. This church doesn't need what we can plan by our power. Our neighbor doesn't need our best words over the fence. Our family doesn't need us. No, they need the Spirit of the living God working supernaturally through us. Supernaturally through us to change hearts. That's what Paul says in verse 6. God has made us sufficient. He's made us enough. He's made you and me, if you're in Christ, sufficient enough to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. But, but me and you, we, we, sent, we spend so many moments relying on ourselves instead of relying on the Spirit, don't we? So many moments relying on our ability rather than the supernatural work of the Spirit. I mean, these are a few that came to mind. It looks like going into a hard conversation with a brother or sister, feeling like you got this. That's pride, that's self reliance, that's you thinking you're enough instead of being desperate for God to move in your hearts. It looks like sharing the, the gospel with a lost friend or a lost classmate with anything but utter desperation on the Holy Spirit to change their hearts. It looks like giving lip service that you believe the Holy Spirit in theory, but never praying, never pleading, that he would guide you, that he would lead you, that he'd be enough for you. It looks like walking into a pulpit without begging the Lord for his help first. Believing that God has to preach a better word. The Holy Spirit has to preach a better word than any man can preach. If we're going to be different today. I heard a few weeks ago that when Charles Spurgeon would walk up into the pulpit, that he would say under his breath, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit. Do we, Christ Fellowship, do we believe in the Holy Spirit or do we give him lip service? Do we believe that he alone can make the word come alive in hearts? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit must cause people to be born again, to give them resurrection life, to give them new hearts? Do we believe in the Holy Spirit like our church or even our lives depend on him? That's why we're not after like entertainment. Like I don't come to church on Sunday to be entertained. To, to think it's funny what the pastor said. To be entertained like that was as good as a concert that I was at. Whatever we can think of, we go to church. We don't go to be entertained. We go to be like Moses and say, show me your glory. Do we not want to leave here on Sunday mornings asking God, would you show us your glory? Don't you want to leave on a Sunday morning saying, God met with us? His Holy Spirit moved in my heart. His Holy Spirit convicted me of sin. He changed me. There were dead hearts when they came in that came alive in Jesus because they saw that their sin was worthless and that Jesus was the only Savior. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we should be praying for? looks like waking up convinced that we can do nothing, nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Like right now, if you had to make a list of the things that you can do without the help of the Lord, without the Holy Spirit working powerfully within you, it should be nothing but a blank sheet of paper. Like you couldn't even put down breathing without having to deceive your self-sufficient heart. You couldn't even put breathing on that list without being desperate for his spirit working in you. That's the truth about gospel ministry is if you think you're qualified, you're already disqualified. If you think you're qualified, you're already disqualified. It takes a humble, honest assessment of ourselves to confess, I can't do this, but I know who can. I can't do this, but I know who can. Oh, I don't want our church to miss out on the opportunity to be weak. I don't want you to live 50, 70, 80, uh, 100 years of life missing out on the opportunity of being dependent, of being needy of the Lord. All our confidence is in Christ. All our ability is in the Spirit. I want to close by talking about those two feelings we were talking about earlier. Those two feelings that I'm very confident that all of us have probably felt. The, the feeling of I am enough and the feeling of I am not enough. I know I felt both of those many times. I know you've felt both of those many times. And I want to return to those because both of these miss the hope 
that we have in Jesus. But both of these minimize the hope that we have in the gospel. Because this feeling of I am enough minimizes my need of the gospel. While this feeling of I'm not enough minimizes the power of the gospel. I'll say that again. This feeling of I am enough minimizes my need for the gospel, while I am not enough minimizes the power of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, it's good news of the gospel that Jesus went to the cross for all the times that you and I tried to be enough. Jesus went to the cross for all the times you and I tried to be enough. He went to the cross for all the times you tried to be an all-sufficient Savior for yourself. For all the times you still tried to be an all-sufficient Savior for yourself. And yet our all-sufficient Savior hung on the cross for your sins. Hung in your place for for the sin of self-sufficiency. For the sin of independence. When when you thought that you're God enough for yourself. That you were enough to save yourself. When you were created for God and His glory. You were created to find your joy in Him, but yet you lived for yourself. Jesus died for you. For that sin. And then on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave And he gives you his Holy Spirit so that you can be enough in him. He knows your not enoughness. He doesn't say do more. He doesn't say try harder. No, he gives you his enoughness through his Holy Spirit. He knows we're not qualified for this supernatural work. So he gives you his own power powerfully working within you. Oh, the only place our confidence can come today is in Christ. The only place our ability can come from today is through the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God promised to do this new work a long time ago? That he promised this new covenant work that was going to happen in the hearts of sinners a long time ago in the Old Testament. Let me just read a passage for you from Ezekiel 36. To me, this is probably one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. It says this, Therefore says, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act. But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Listen to what God has, is going to do. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And this is how he'll do it. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanlinesses. 
And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Did you hear those two words again and again and again? God says that I will do this. I will do this. I will take you from the nations. I will sprinkle clean water from you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to obey me. I'm going to do this. God promised that he will make dead hearts alive. He will do this. But here's the good news. God doesn't need you. He's the all-sufficient one. God doesn't need you, but he does want you. God doesn't need you, but he does want you. He desires to save you from your sins and to send you to bring glory to his name and to bring joy to people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and himself. God doesn't need you today. That's good news. We're not enough. But God does want you. That's good news. You are enough in him. Who is sufficient for these things? None of us. But who makes us sufficient for all these things? Our all-sufficient Savior and the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would make us a people completely dependent on you, desperate for you. That, Lord, you would help us this even this morning Renounce any confidence in ourselves, any self-confidence when we try to put our hope and put our weight and put our trust and rely on us. Lord, would you help us renounce that that is foolishness. Lord, and that we might put all our confidence, all our trust, all our hope completely in our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, would you help us not to rely on our own abilities, on our own gifts, on on what we can do by our own power, but Lord, we would rely completely on the Holy Spirit. And when we preach, when we sing, when we work, when we talk to our children, Lord, when we talk to our neighbor, that we would not be dependent and relying on ourselves, but we would rely on your Holy Spirit powerfully working within us for your glory, for the joy of all peoples. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today, Lord, that has tried to be enough, 
who's tried to be all sufficient in themselves, thinking they don't need you, pushing you away. Lord, I pray they would repent of that sin of self-sufficiency and they would run to Jesus today. All the times they've tried to be satisfied by their sin that cannot satisfy them, I pray that right now that they would turn from their sins and run to Jesus today. Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would make dead hearts alive today. Dead hearts that don't love Jesus. Alive with a consuming love for Jesus because of what Christ has done for him. Lord, would you do this for the glory of your name and our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.